Thanks very much for joining us today, Sandrine. Um, without further ado, can you give us a brief back introduction of yourself and your background? Yeah, um, so I'm Sandrine Aspeslag. Um, I'm a medical oncologist. I did my PhD in immunology at the rheumatology lab and it ended in 2012. And in 2012, uh, ipilimumab was granted by the FDA to, um, to be given to melanoma patients. So it was the first time that um, immunotherapy was really applied into uh, cancer patients. And that made me uh, decide to, to, to choose for medical oncology uh, as a speciality. And I also liked to, do, uh, to, to take care of cancer patients. Um, and then I worked uh, one year and a half in the, at the Ghent University, but uh, I didn't see enough uh, patients with immunotherapy. And that's really what I wanted. It's, it's still, I still have this passion. So that's why I went to Institut Gustave Roussy and I worked there about three years with uh, Professor Marabel and Professor um, uh, Jean-Saint Soria um, at the phase one unit, where at that time all immunotherapy trials um, came out and we also saw for the first time how the toxicity so when you boost your immune system uh, what is happening and those patients were it was like back to rheumatology clinic because I saw a lot of uh, side effects and that's also what why I'm interested uh, at and then I wanted to come back to Belgium I worked a, a year in Institut Bordet and now since four years I'm working at the at um, Brussels so that's um, Dutch speaking uh, hospital in the area of uh, Brussels. Oh. What 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 inspired you to um you know get involved in immunology in the first place? Where where did the the interest in that prior to the? I think it's kind of it's a it's quite holistic. So it's the the role of the immune system is to keep balance of the body, and mm. I think really I like I like this I like the balance and I like to try to keep the balance. And I, I read a lot of papers by Dr. Metitov about that as well. And I, I'm really I think that's really fascinating. And with the immune system you can keep or well it can treat infections uh when it's too much it's autoimmune disease and yeah it's it's really this balance of of our body that that uh, that fascinates me yeah mm, very interesting okay okay um and and centering could you give us an overview of your work in immuno-oncology and specifically in iotoxicities yeah, so during my first years, I mainly did, uh, when I did a PhD, was mainly basic biology, which was an ideal basis to understand what was going on. And mm -hmm. then later on at Gustavo C, I also worked on biomarkers. But now I'm mainly focusing, focusing on immune-related adverse events. And what I've done until now, I think the main thing is really building this network. So um, because it's rare events, because oncologists were not used to treat those patients, um, I think we have to unite and we have to bring oncologists first together and together with organ specialists so that we can deal uh, with the severe side effects first for the patient to, buy, to find the best solution so that they don't suffer. But second, also for science and science, both for the oncologist, but also for the rheumatologist or the pneumologist who will then better understand um, their their disease, if I can say so, because our patients are kind of human models for them. So mm. uh, you can, yeah, when you have an encephalitis due to anti-PD-1, you can study the role of PD-1 in encephalitis and, and does it play a role or not? Um, and I think this is really the future of collaborating and that is what I really like about it. So um, yeah, and in the future, we wanna focus on, um, on prevention and on therapy uh, by uh, several prospective uh, trial options. Could you explain how um, it relates to rheumatology or, or the side effects associated with IOs and oncology? Yeah. 
So sometimes we only give two injections of anti-PD-1 or a combination and you mm. already see an arthritis. And mm. then uh, you, you know that uh, this arthritis is really anti-PD-1 dependent. And also um, autoimmune diseases are mostly chronic diseases. So mm. most of these patients, they have it lifelong Whereas our patients, they have it only for a short time. Most side effects are short time and we can stop them when we stop the immunotherapy or it, it's true there are long time side effects, but they're also short time like a colitis. You treat it two times with a TNF blocker and it's not coming back. Well, that's a bit of generalization, but it, it might be like that. And this is not seen in Crohn's disease. And um, there is more and more in the autoimmune field also to try to find a complete response. So, I mean, to cure the patient from, for example, Crohn's disease, but maybe we can, our patients are kind of cured of this colitis. So that, that could be one example where um, um, organ specialists can learn from more, um, from more patients, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's just, it's, I guess it's just the, the trying to do something to fix the, the side effect, the colitis or, or whatever it may be. Is something that could be taken and learned by the by the, the yeah the yeah or to look at our um, pathophysiology for example or to look at um, uh, when you do a biopsy to see uh, which which cell plays a role and to what does it resemble I yeah I'm really convinced that uh, a lot could, can be learned from us um, yeah that, I right. really believe that we need to work together and that we are stronger together that that is my main message yeah yeah very good. And could you tell us a little bit about the, the kind of collaborations and how it works in Belgium, you know, in terms of the, the various groups you've set up? Yeah, so BTOX, um, that's how we named our national multidisciplinary um, board to discuss immune toxicity and disimmunity patients. So patients with a severe immune-related adverse event um, can be discussed there or patients that have an underlying disimmunity. And what do I mean by disimmunity? As for example, an autoimmune uh, disease, but it can also be a patient that had already a severe uh, immune-related adverse event and where you think, can we restart or can we not restart? Patients with paraneoplasia, patients with a hematological malignancy and so on. And those cases uh, are, um, are, are discussed together with organ specialists and we have a meeting every currently we have a meeting every two weeks on Mondays and um, in order to be part of this you have to send us an email and we put you on the list so it's not accessible for everyone because it's a delicate uh, patient um, information um, so we we can control that and then uh, after the discussion uh, where we invite the organ specialists for example um, when there is a patient with a uh, polymyalgia rheumatica, then we'll invite a rheumatologist to, to have his or her ID. But it's always in collaboration with the oncologist because we cannot just leave our patients in the hands of an organ specialist and that they organize everything. No, 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 we, we really have to disbalance again. And that's what I also mean earlier um, because it's also, yeah, what's going on with the tumor? Uh, is the tumor disappearing? Is it coming back? It's a partial response. Uh, how can we, or maybe there's another therapy possible that is now more chance to, to answer. So um, it's quite complex discussion, but I, I love that. It's really mm. uh, interesting. Mm. And it's true. It has been a challenge for the last two and a half years. So now we've discussed 170 patients. It's a challenge to bring all these doctors together because um, we, we all have a lot of work. Um, mm. So yeah, I try to, there's like a, a Qualtrics or it's kind of a red cap um, formula and they have to fill in 
it's very short, very few information, only only takes two minutes. And then uh, this is sent to us. So we have basic information. We did basic information. We then contact the organ specialist so that they are prepared. But it's not always easy to find um, yeah, interested organ specialists because they not, do not always have time. It might not be their mm. good time schedule. Mm. So that's a kind of challenge to keep them challenged as well, to keep them interested. And yeah, that's, but we're getting there, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of, I suppose, those 170 patients, like, is there a wide variety of different, like, do you see a wide variety of different toxicities or is there a common thread? Uh, no, it's a wide, wide variety. I would say that like a, a third is on this immunity and the other two thirds is on the immune related adverse events. Uh, there's a lot of neurological and cardiological toxicity because those are mm -hmm. also the most complicated ones. Um yeah, I would say so. And there's also more questions on double IO versus mono IO. But that's quite logic, I think, because they're just more docs. So um, yeah, that's that's about it. But it's okay. very variable. It's every week is different. Yeah. Okay, great. Very interesting. I, um, I would imagine there's a lot of interesting uh research comes out of that. Um well, I Could think you... now we're getting there. So but that's a bit of GD a GDPR um oh. issue. Um mm. So we are trying to solve this. We have contacts with the Belgian government so that maybe we need to change in the law or something. Um, we try to work with the pharmacovigilance of Belgium, um, but that's a challenge because I, I agree that there's it's a big uh, research uh, data and it would be really interesting also to follow up on the patients. So because now mm -hmm. we just discussed the case on day one, but we do not know if our advice has been followed or if it has helped or and what has helped because we want to learn from this. That's also the idea. So we're yeah. working on this. Yeah. The longitudinal data. Exactly. Um, but mm -hmm. that's also GDPR. I mean, we really need to find a way uh, that it's GDPR proof. Yeah, I think a lot of physicians in Europe are finding the same challenges in terms of GDPR. Yeah, I guess I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Could you could you tell us current about your current research and its uh, relevance to iotoxicities? Yeah. So um, with Marte Verhaert, that's my PhD student, uh, we've, we've set up um, a research program, which we call Detox, D-Y-T-O-X. And um, it, this contains mainly three parts. So the first part is forks, where we try to uh, do prevention with food strategies. And I can come back on that. And then the second part is um, improve, where we want to treat uh, when we want to uh, find out uh, treatment strategies for severe immune-related adverse events, because that's all the problem. There's no research on this. It's all rare. Uh, everybody's treating, is doing something in his own hospital. And that's what now with Betox, we have a good fundament to, to change that. And then third, we do a real-world uh, evidence. So we, we were looking at um, a population of uh, patients with semiplimab that was used for a spinocellular carcinoma of the skin because they have a lot of this underlying disimmunity problems. They, they, they're often very old. Um, they have sometimes immunosuppressants. They sometimes are transplant patients. So we're looking at a big cohort in that in, in, in Belgium. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's the current plan. Yeah. Okay, great. Can you tell us a bit more about forks? Yeah. So uh, forks, it's a food, food intervention to reduce aminotoxicity. And our first forks trial, um, we hope to, to start as soon as possible. We're writing of the protocol. It's um, based on a, a research of the American Gut Project, where it was shown that when you eat more than 30 different um, fruits, vegetables, and nuts, 
um, that your microbiome is uh, more diverse versus if you eat less than 10. So our idea, and we know that um, the outcome of immunotherapy is better, uh, at least this has retrospectively been shown, if you have a diverse microbiome and if you eat more fiber. So this mm. is why now we, um, we thought, let's just do this. And we're really motivated and we want to give um, like the, by the, at the start of the immunotherapy during 12 weeks, so until the first scan, we want to give a box with 30 different fruits, vegetables, nuts and grains, so all plant-based, but diverse, uh, so that there is a diversity. And we will uh, have a dietitian that will motivate and help the patient to eat all this uh, within within one week. It's a, it's a challenge, uh, but um, yeah, we get a lot of positive reactions from the patients as well. And it that's also, um, it came from the patient, this idea. I mean, from scientific literature, we cannot advise a lot because nobody is doing these studies. And we, mm -hmm. if our study is positive, because the goal is that we reduce immune-related adverse events by 20%. And if this mm -hmm. goal, if we can reach the goal, then we can say to the patient, you know what, just eat 30 veggies per week. And uh, yeah, we want to work with cooks to, to have like a cookbook. And I mean, you can do a lot and make an application and whatever. You can make, do a lot of things around it. But that's really the idea to give um, the power back to the patient because this will also improve quality of life. Instead of saying, no, you can't do anything. We really want to say that, no, no, you can do something. The job of the patient, if I can say so, is to deal with their body and, and our job is to give the right medication. But I really think you should give a task as 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 far as it goes. I, I cannot uh, exaggerate on that, um, but that's the idea, yeah. Okay. You mentioned there about the positive nature of giving them a pack. People's diets vary quite a bit. I just want to understand the why is why they take it so positively. In some case, I would have thought there would have been a, some a negative reaction to asking them to change their diet. Well, when well, that has been proven, eh? when the moment that you receive the message that you have cancer, it's really a moment where you want to change your life. A lot of people mm. it's finally smoking when they they get the diagnosis often of lung cancer um but so there is there is that there is this thing okay. and also uh, leaving patient giving the power back to the patient often will help but i agree that there are there're going to be patients and you there's nothing that fits for all eh? so there mm -hmm. are always going to be patients that say like no i don't want to change my diet okay but for our study we're looking for motivated patients and i'm sure that we will find them um, oh, okay in the population that I see, I ask often and I talk about it and I and they they're yeah, most people are very positive about it. Like, oh yeah, I'm happy that I can do myself something. That's uh, great, yeah. 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 And you're currently running a crowdfunding campaign for that. Is am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we asked uh, regular funding and we're going to the second round of the Komoptihin Kanker. But yeah, if we get that, we can only start in March 2024. Uh, so that's like one year and a half after the start of our first idea, because it takes so long to write all these grants and whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, if we, we we do now crowdfunding for 12,000 euros, um, because then we can already start with 10 patients. And mm -hmm. for us, because there is a lot, a lot of logistics, there is a lot of new, it's not just giving a medication, no, it's finding out all those boxes. Uh, logistically, how are we going to deliver them? So if we could start with 10 patients already in autumn, it will really help us to be up and running when we get all the money to then uh, quickly continue because yeah we we I'm sure we need some time to 
to to find the best way to to do this because it's a real challenge right? it's completely new to do that we are not used to to do that in our hospital but in Institut Gustave Roussy they are doing ketorin um and that's um a ketogenic diet in um in uh, kidney cancer patients so oh, wow. yeah okay there but and also in Texas there is also an, uh, a trial but i don't have the name right now uh, also for immunotherapy but um in belgium um no that's the first thing we do and we also um we take a risk by not making it too much control so the food boxes are not going to be the same every week um they're going to okay. be seasonal Uh, so if it's broccoli season, okay, there's gotta be a broccoli. If it's salad season, well, you know, I mean, um, yeah, that's part of normal life. So yeah, we really wanted to keep it so close as close as possible to real reality. Yeah. 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 Is it so? It, it, uh, you're you're getting you're sourcing the food kind of from the local area of Belgium. Yeah, that's what we, we would love to. Um, And we are still, yeah, we are still discussing on on this um, because for them it's very new that the medical oncology is approaching them and saying like, hi, we want to work together. They're also like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's very new. Um, and um, yeah, we would love to do uh, like there's a community supported agriculture behind us, a courgette, and it's it's really on the field of the VUB. So that's my uni the university. That's my university. Uh, yeah, that would be really perfect. I mean, it's like 100 meters. Uh, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's see what 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 works, and we might not have everything in 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 100 meters. But I mean, yeah, that's that would be really, really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. love. You know, it's it's something I've read quite a bit about, um, and you know, watched documentaries on, but you know, about local food and. Uh, yeah. The benefits of it is there any academic evidence there is there any scientific evidence for that or is it just still something that is is in research well not not that i'm aware of but at least there is the carbon print is less mm. you don't need a plane you don't need a car yeah. so that, that is um better um what is, would also be nice if it's so close that our patients they could have a look there they could mm. have a look where their food is grown and this is of course it's a bit outside the project but it's also yeah bringing back pa patient or people to nature and bringing back mm. the basic and yeah that's something really nice i think yeah yeah I'm, i'm i'm sure this will also help quality of life but that's that's not a direct part of the project but i would love it when it would be associated it's not that it's better for your microbiome that you eat local food there is something about honey about this that it's better to eat honey from your local bees that you mm. yeah yeah okay great um and we, we'll make sure to link to the crowdfunding campaign as well in the show notes so if yeah. anyone's okay. listening to this they can definitely um great click on that and contribute. yeah for belgian citizens it's um tax deducible so if you pay if you give more than 40 euros um then you you um can deduce this from your taxes okay brilliant okay brilliant um and what motivated you to investigate this area to you know the the food and the um the io toxicities what was kind of your inspiration behind it um so yeah the talks with the patient and then also my personal interest and maybe uh the first seven years of my life i didn't eat gluten i couldn't mm. eat digest gluten so maybe i also realized that or it's in my dna or something that i know that that you can change your 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 life and your health by just what you eat i'm really mm. a very strong believer of it so uh, yeah yeah that's yeah 
Very good, good. And regarding the working high fiber diet, what is the specific objectives and expected outcomes? Um, sorry for forks. Yes. Um, yes. the objective of forks is to reduce all immune-related adverse events by twenty percent. So if we look at big uh, phase three trials, it's often eighty percent, but that includes the itching, the fatigue. So the more, the less obvious immune-related adverse events as well. And we want to reduce that by 20% and we'll compare to historical control. Um, we cannot, in Belgium, we, so we discussed a lot with patients and they say that if you would do a an, an, uh, two-arm trial where you randomize versus placebo, um, all the patients we ask, they say, but then I don't participate to the trial if I'm in the placebo arm. So yeah, we were kind mm -hmm. of, uh, and we asked more than 10 patients. So yeah, we, we, we're not able to do like a randomized trial. And so then we discussed a lot with our statistician and now we'll uh, treat 60 patients and we have a big historical control because at the moment we are doing ICIT, that's an observational trial where patients that receive immunotherapy, we do like an immunomonitoring for them. So we have a lot of data on them. And so they will be the historical control. Yeah, great. Okay. And, you know, as the field of oncology continues to evolve, how do you see microbiome research um, shaping the future of treatment strategies and patient management? Yeah, so um, I can imagine that in the future that we do a, like you do a blood test, that you also do a microbiome uh, analysis and that once we will know more about the microbiome, because we know a lot already, but we cannot, um, as far as I know, it, it has not been proven that you can really predict uh, that it's really standardized and that you can predict based on the microbiome if the patient will respond or not, if they will um, have toxicity or, or not. But I believe that in the future, in, like in breast cancer, like I can't find the name, but there is like um, there is a test where you can see what is um, your chance of responding to chemotherapy. I mm. think the microbiome will play a role in 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 that. So, um, and I think in a metastatic setting, it's maybe less interesting. But in the adjuvant setting, this might be really interesting, because um, yeah, I come back to that balance. Huh? The adjuvant setting, it's not always super clear if you really need to give. So some patients, you give them the immunotherapy, but finally they never needed it, and maybe mm. there you may avoid it, to give immunotherapy in patients that would be prone or that, that would have a high chance of uh, toxicity. So um, there, yeah, I, I believe it, uh, we're not there yet, huh? but I think we'll have more, um, yeah, the biomarkers. And second, uh, if our trial uh, is positive, we'll, we might find also biomarkers that show that you can change the diet and maybe you need to uh, eat for during 30 days, um, 30 vegetables um, per week and to prepare your microbiome and to improve it. Uh, yeah, something like that, that, that might be really cool. And I'm sure there are other uh, things that, that will come out of it, but, um, yeah, these are the first Excellent. things I think about. Okay. And, um, can the knowledge from the study in the, of the microbiome, can it can be extended to other areas of oncology? I'd say you mentioned some areas, but just in oncology or in medicine in general. Um, so yeah, in the article of McDonald's, uh, it's also mentioned that there is a less antibiotic resistant genes uh, present mm -hmm. in patients that eat a lot of uh, plants. So yeah, that's that's something really interested that should be looked at, I think, in the future. And I suppose for final question, for any patients and caregivers listening to this, what are your tips on navigating cancer care? It's to ask questions. 
is to ask questions to the oncologist and to to follow your belly feeling and see if you really if you have confidence but because for me it's very important and i see you know i'm the caregiver but if i don't have confidence and it comes from both sides it's very difficult to treat someone so mm. and if you don't have confidence you should find someone else and that's okay i mean you cannot deal with everyone so as a doctor you cannot deal with everyone as a patient you cannot deal with every doctor um yeah. i think you should really find the best match uh for yourself um and and follow your your feeling on that yeah i think that's uh that would be okay nice. yeah grace grace thank very you good. very much yeah very good that was great yeah, yeah.